you're listening to women's cricket chat with hannah and alex coming up on the podcast today we've got vanessa and roisin two women behind the stump out sexism campaign now if you don't know what stump out sexism is it's a campaign that's fighting for gender equality and equal parity on all levels regardless of ability and on this episode we learn more about the stump out sexism campaign and how it's going and about what they've got in the pipeline we always like to start with this one and it is just simply tell us a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about the campaign yeah sure um so my name is vanessa um uh, you might be able to tell that i have um an australian accent i'm not from uh the uk so i moved over here at the end of 2016 to study at oxford to do a master's degree i grew up playing a lot of cricket in australia when i was little i thought that i'd go on to be a famous cricketer um and yeah i played quite a bit of cricket growing up and then with traveling around and things like that i'd taken a bit of a break from it um but here in oxford with um the cricket club and the opportunities here that's sort of where i got back into it and yeah i played quite a bit over here for the university team um also for the sir paul getty 11s team so different opportunities like that have popped up and yeah i guess this campaign which has been sort of a long-term project of mine but which we've formally launched very recently uh, I guess it combines my two passions which is cricket and also equality and yeah being able to sort of spot stark examples of inequality um, and then find ways to to fix those. I'm Rasheen and I don't play cricket and this is all very <laughs> ironic that I keep getting asked about cricket by everyone but my dad is loving it. So I was vice president for welfare and equal opportunities at Oxford Student Union last year and Vanessa and two of her teammates approached me letting me know what was going on and I was a little bit appalled to say the least so I tried to support them in getting meetings set up uh, with the central university um, and kind of advocating in that way obviously then we got hit by a global pandemic which kind of took over somewhat uh, and had to kind of refocus but my term ended and this wasn't resolved and being somebody who uh, quite likes gender equality, you know, and spends a lot of time going on about it, I really couldn't just let it drop. So I continued working with Vanessa on the project. Yeah, and uh, we've now got it to the point point to where it is is now, where we're uh, really going for it. Well, from what I've seen so far, it seems like things have picked up quite fast for you. So since you first publicly laid out what the plans were does it feel like it's gone as quickly as it seems to I think that would be fair to say um it feels like it well it's one of those things I think it's like when you say a band's an overnight success and it looks like they just did one thing one day and the next day it was mad whereas we've been working on it for quite a long time but yeah it's, it's gone from it being the two of us just discussing it to all of a sudden there being this manic amount of interest which is what we want to see like it's great we absolutely want people to, to pay attention to it but it's been a, a bit of a week let's yeah. let's put it that way it's it's been a busy old week <laughs> I think it's been exciting as well to sort of see the range of support that we've had and you know sometimes working within an institution it feels quite slow and you can work on it for a long time but um, not necessarily make much headway and that's sort of how it's felt for a long time now we've tried every possible angle and and tried to keep it internal and um yeah didn't make a whole lot of progress on this but since we've gone public and sort of opened it up under the umbrella of this broader campaign stump out sexism we've just yeah we've had so many people that have reached out and and really um been supportive about it and some of them obviously are are cricket players themselves other people are cricket fans some of them you know are just passionate about equality and they see that there's an issue here it's one sort of symbolic example of an issue but it's one that we think a lot of people would have experienced 
in other clubs as well. And um, yeah, we've been really excited. I think it sort of, yeah, helped us to keep on, on pushing through getting this sort of reaction, I think. And they often say that social media is a bad thing, but for you, do, would you say it has really helped your campaign sort of come off the ground because it's the best way to get the word out there, isn't it? I think massively because, I mean, the initial way when we first approached this, the specific issue that's kind of got the attention at the moment, we're focusing on to the varsity, you're very sheltered within this bubble of your, you're looking at it from the university perspective. And you might be able to get the other women in the team on board. You might be able to get your student council on board, but it's pretty limited. By going big on social media as we've gone, which was always well, if we couldn't get the, a resolution, that was the plan because people jump in and people are jumping in from all over the place. I've been amazed to see some of the support we've had that people are chiming in from India, from all over the world. And it's, it's been a real boost to us to see that. And we'd like to see that continuing yeah. to build momentum. I mean, part of the reason I love our campaign name is because you can hashtag it. And it's catchy and people will, we're really hoping people will build on this and just kind of join in with us from wherever they are and build it beyond it being just this kind of Oxbridge issue, which we know, we know it's not just an Oxbridge issue. Yeah, I think it's giving people a voice as well, because um, on Twitter, for example, we've had people tweeting who, uh, you know, they might have been in the university team 10, 15 years ago, and they're sort of reminiscing about their experiences and maybe at that point in time, I mean, it was a different time. Uh, if they didn't have the right platform or, or didn't feel comfortable speaking up about it, they might not have then. But uh, again, under this broad campaign, using so- social media, I think it's giving people a lot of confidence to, to speak up about these sorts of things. Yeah, that kind of links to my next question in that. Yeah. Is this a campaign that's just solely focused on having equality with the varsity teams? Or is it going to go a bit further by including all women's teams? So I just wanted to gauge your opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, to start with, I mean, I feel for me, I never wanted this just to be about varsity and I certainly never wanted it just to be about Oxbridge. The more that I looked into the issue to research it for some context, the more I saw that this was a a problem across cricket in general. Um, As I said, cricket's not my sport, but I know this is also a massive problem across football, across a variety of other sports. And we're looking at it and thinking something needs to change. The reason we kind of went with and stuck with pushing with this this issue of of the varsity to start with was because obviously Ness had worked on that for such a long time. It's it's her club. It's what she knew. And it's also a very symbolic fixture within the calendar at Lord's. Because if you look at the kind of comparable things, you've got Eton and Harrow. Well, there's not a women's team you can compare with. You've got the Armed Forces Day. We don't have any connection to that. We have the connection to the Oxbridge fixture. And by changing that one and saying, look, there needs to be gender parity when you're hosting something. Whatever Lords goes on to host in the future, I hope can be seen that it has to be done through a lens of gender equality and that an offer should not be extended to a men's side if it's not to the equivalent women's so yeah even now with the varsity being the focus at the moment and and I think we will plan we have plans to move on to lots of other issues but for now while we're looking at this I don't see even this campaign as just being something for those two teams I see it as symbolic of something much broader and that if this can be achieved it really opens a door to just a wealth of opportunity to liaise with clubs all over the country about the way they book their fixtures and about the upholding of tradition, even when it kind of stamps on equality. 
Yeah, and we see, I mean, this is, we're talking about the symbolic home of cricket here. And, and um, I guess with this campaign, we see that at the moment, it's largely the home of cricket for men. We want it to be the home of cricket regardless of gender for girls and for women. And at the moment, if you look at the fixtures list, obviously there's the varsity match, which stands out as a stark example of inequality. Um, but also if you look at the lack of different formats that women get to play, also the severe disparity in terms of the number of matches, basically any statistic that you break it down by, women are severely, yeah, sort of disproportionate um, in terms of representation. And we think that's also been affected by COVID and, you know, they've become even more, had less exposure, I guess. So yeah, we see this as, as a symbolic example. We do recognise that there are obviously constraints, you know, so there's a calendar and then there are days that look free, but obviously around international games and things, we know that not every day is technically empty. Um, but we do think, especially when we're talking about non-professional games, which, are, you know, it's a pathway, it's an opportunity, it's something which young girls, people's sisters, their families would, would look at this. And we think that the current varsity fixture is, is sort of sending, I guess, the wrong sort of image in terms of, yeah, gender inequalities and, and the, the pathways that are there. So, yeah, we're starting with this. Uh, we are aware that there are sort of, I guess there are issues in, in the varsity match itself and the fact that Oxford and Cambridge have that. But it's a long-standing tradition that at the moment still stands and we're supportive of that. We want to be able to find a way to build on it. But yeah, we're really excited about sort of the next steps and broadening out beyond that. We've already got lots of plans, but we're trying to do yeah one step at a time. And obviously the proximity of the men's match is coming up in, in a week's time. So at the moment, it, it's sort of timely for us to focus on that. But um, yeah, soon enough, we'll be broadening out, we hope. And in terms of broadening out, would you be looking at varsity matches other universities say? Because I was at Bristol and we had the University of Bristol and UE counted as varsity and I guess every uni has their own version of a varsity so if you can lay the foundations for how varsity is done at Oxbridge was that would that be the kind of thing you would then relay out to other unis as to how they could improve their equality too? I think absolutely coming from my background being within the student movement we know that if you see something set a precedent at one university it becomes an awful lot easier for other universities to pick up the fight and say look what's gone on here now we demand that there is equality within within our institution and I think for me again as someone who whatever happens isn't going to play at Lords I don't really care which venue you're playing at but the men and women should be playing at the same one that's my point really why is there any reason at all that it should be different at all for either team and I think that is a message that can be taken to clubs and it doesn't just have to be at university level to be honest this is is my my main thought we've got the the student movement is something I'm involved in something I'm passionate about and want to keep involved in but let's look at absolutely every level and that's a big part of the empowerment level I guess that that we're, we're looking at beyond this of building a community in which people can come and say okay this is going on in my club this is going on in my school this is going on in my university in my college in whatever institution I want to change it how do I do that and helping those people to to do that through mobilizing them together I think this so, power in numbers is, is a massive thing and we see this time and time again with when you get results in regard to gender equality it's largely when one small event sparks voices to come together and we're hoping that we can use this as the event to spark bringing voices together to achieve change on numerous levels. Yeah I think um, and we're also quite excited about I mean even just recently again through social media and sort of word of mouth, people introducing us to others. Uh, we're starting to sort of build a community 
at different levels. So uh, we want to onboard different ambassadors, for example, high profile cricketers, uh, obviously we'll expand that to this same sort of um, idea could work in other contexts and sports as well. But yeah, if we can bring all of these sports together. So the idea is, yeah, bringing together a community of people who are passionate about sport, but also passionate about equality, but then giving a platform to really drive change. Because I think both of us through this have also seen that it can be really, really difficult to bring about change in institutions where, you know, there are longstanding traditions and there are sort of internal processes and things like that. And yeah, I'm sure in some contexts, you know, we've had a bit of success recently and we're very hopeful that we can push through and achieve some hopefully what we're going for but um I'm sure in some context there might be women who have tried to take something on and and maybe the change hasn't occurred but with this community behind them with this sort of messaging with tapping into our the community that we're building yeah hopefully we can achieve change in a lot of different contexts clubs communities and I think that's the part that we're excited about and I don't think at the moment we can talk about women's equality in cricket without mentioning what is going on at the moment with the whole Discussions surrounding a statue for Baroness Rachel Hayhoe Flint. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you two have got on your radar as well at the moment? You're like, you know what, this is something. That's on the radar. That that will definitely be uh, being brought up once we get uh, the varsity fixture out of the way. That will definitely be coming up for us. I think statues in general are just a big discussion at the moment. And it seems utterly ridiculous, the channel it's taking. There's a very easy solution. Just put it in place. I think, it, yeah, and it sort of links to my point as well. Like, obviously, um, she achieved so much on the field, but also if you look at what she did off the field and the perseverance and what I just spoke about, how it can be so difficult to achieve change in certain sort of contexts and institutions. And we were sort of just uh, looking over things before and, and the number of you know times that she had to push through and ask again for the, the male-only club to accept female members. Um, and it didn't happen overnight. She pushed... She tried and then she tried, I think, seven years later and then she tried again. So there was just absolute perseverance. And I think she was a pioneer off the field, but also, I mean, everything on the field as well speaks for itself. And I think, yeah, for that to be seen in some circles as sort of controversial, for there even to really have to be a discussion about is she worthy of a statue? Um, I mean, she's done so much for, for women's cricket. And yeah, when we sort of broaden out and talk about broader things that could be done beyond the varsity fixture, yeah, that's sort of an example of something that we'd definitely be looking at. And I mean, it's quite timely that uh, I guess something like that has been in the news recently as well, because I think all of these things are coming together. We're really sort of in the midst of a movement where in so many different circles where we're fighting for women's equality. So whether it's that or, I mean, there are a lot of other examples as well. This just all, yeah, comes together and, and hopefully we can achieve a lot of change. And this is obviously an ongoing issue. Why do you think this is still an issue in 2021? Women have come such a long way. And even with this new competition, the 100 is equal prize money. So why is it that Varsity perhaps and the MCC are still behind? I think one word can sum it up and we've already used it a lot and that's tradition. I think as long as people are valuing tradition over equality and seeing tradition over fairness and seeing that tradition is an excuse, then you're stuck. People like to sit around and and this is going beyond, beyond women's equality, just for equality in general. It's so much more than cricket. It's so much more than sport. When somebody doesn't have an equal platform, usually the people who are in power are the ones who benefit from that, right? And so it doesn't need to be a priority. And giving something to a group that doesn't have it in this issue, women, feels like you're having something taken away from you. 
And so obviously you're going to be slow to move on it. And obviously the understanding around the issue is going to be slow and it's going to ruffle a few feathers. People also seem to value going through procedure more than doing what's right. And I think this is another very interesting conversation in general in that we largely look and go, but there's 12 members of this committee and 10 didn't want it. So therefore we don't push for it. And you go, yeah, but there were two women on the committee. So there were two marginalized voices. So actually, maybe you can't make that statement. And if we look at change, historically, look at when change is made. It's largely made by people standing up and going, your committee voted this down, but we're still going to push for it. And largely that makes you a little bit unpopular. And yeah, I think procedure slows things down because and tradition makes people unwilling to move yeah and we've think, got both yeah and I guess having said that I mean we, we've tried every option in terms of following procedure that's not to say that we've sort of jumped into this and, and just tried now to do it through this big campaign we've gone you know a couple of years going through every single procedure um, I think we've also found this sort of I would say um, it has been surprisingly difficult to get people to engage in the conversation through an equality lens often the conversation even if we start at that level it then sort of gets condensed into, you know, arguments about or points being made about logistical sorts of things. I mean, this year there is there are sort of logistical difficulties around COVID. But, um, you know, if we're talking about things like assumptions that nobody would turn up to watch the women anyway, um, or something about the standard of the women, things like that. You know, these are the sorts of arguments that can be deployed time and time again to stop these big changes. But yeah, we think there's a real opportunity here. And and women's cricket has grown so much. It's such an exciting time for women's cricket. And I think, yeah, sometimes these sort of logistical arguments or, or arguments which wouldn't be there when we're talking about the men's fixture and whether they should have one, they can be deployed time and time again to, to stop this change. And yeah, the fact that I guess we've had to push so hard just to even get people to engage in the equality discussion, that's been quite surprising. And I guess that contributes to a lack of change if you can't even get the buy-in to have genuine discussions around it. So if nothing else, I mean, hopefully I think stump out sexism, at, you know, even across the last week we've we've sort of been forcing that discussion and I think um whatever happens over the coming days weeks it feels like it's moving quite quickly you know at the least I think we've sparked some really interesting discussions which might not have happened otherwise for a long time I love that you say you've gone down all the routes that you would not, you know, or you've gone down all the procedure to get to where you want to be now. I, otherwise, I have this image of the two of you sort of chaining yourself to the gates of Lords, dressed in your whites, you know, no, waving I, your bats I mean, around. Even if you moment. don't play, you're like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment I, I was thinking, you know, I might have to learn How to did I know you were going to say way. that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was lucky that when Vanessa approached me, I was working for a, a registered <laughs> charity, actually, that held me to a account because, you know, otherwise we, we might have already been chained to the gates. But no, I think it's a really valid point because particularly, again, we've talked about social media. You do have your occasional person that's telling us that we're asking for too much or that we're crazy feminists or whatever. And I've spent my life being called a crazy feminist. I now wear it as a little badge, like Piers Morgan hates me. But like, but I think the whole thing is we have tried to to do this in every kind of not like acceptable manner sometimes when I haven't felt necessarily it was the most effective but so we can say we have done this tick you said no we've done this tick nothing's happened and my god like Nesta's been working on this way longer as an idea than I have and I feel like I've been bashing my head against the wall even in the small amount of time I've been here and it's not been me that's been on the receiving end of constant pushback so I think that just shows just how much we're now at the point that you need to move and let's look on a, again on a gendered perspective because that's that's the angle that maybe I know more about 
more about and more involved in. You've had a woman's voice raising an issue for two and a half years and there has been no real engagement. This went public and was raised and started to be discussed by more people and phone calls were made by journalists who were quite prominent male journalists writing about cricket and all of a sudden we're getting very prompt replies. And I just think that speaks to a broader issue of that if a woman talks, it's very hard to get heard. But if somebody else stands up on their side, who happens to be a man, all of a sudden response happens. You know, I think there's two points to make from that. One of that we're looking at how backwards we still are and how much there still is to do in the wider women's rights movement. But secondly, how important male allies are in this and how important having men standing up and going, you know what? Yeah, this is wrong because we can't do this on our own. None of this can happen as just the two of us. We need more people standing with us. And male voices are equally as important. Getting men's cricketers to stand with us and say, yeah, you know what? I I would actually rather share my, my day and it be uh, equal than have a full day and the women sit on the sidelines. Like, we need allies of all genders. And that's that can call us a call to arms if you want or it can just be me ranting about what we need. But I think the male voice is so important in this as much as the female voice. And with the male voices, have you had some big names supporting you, I see, on Twitter? And I guess that's the kind of thing that's helpful. As soon as if they just start retweeting or replying or liking, then it goes to their followers who might predominantly be male. And then I guess it can all snowball from there. The power of retweet is amazing we got retweeted by colin salmon today he was in james bond i was so excited like but things like that where it's so simple to get on board with this campaign like we are not asking you to go out and write a four-page letter to institutions demanding change retweet us give us a like it'll pop up on your followers timeline like i'll try and produce good content for you to like who knows you might even laugh (laughs) but like there's such power in social media as we said earlier and just expressing that solidarity it means an awful lot and i think could be the real thing that gets the tide to turn and i guess yeah sort of seeing you know these are yeah we've had really overwhelmingly positive responses in social media and I think um, when it has been an internal issue I think um, sometimes there's sort of been an underlying assumption that to grow the women's game or to balance things out more you know the men have to lose out on something and our sort of messaging is that we can grow both together through involving the women we think that the game itself is only going to get stronger that clubs uh, people coming up and through the ranks you know can have much better experiences we're gonna have more voices more representation so we we see that as a positive thing and um, yeah it's just been really yeah so exciting I think to have support from all angles all genders and that's especially coming through in social media what's so great about this campaign is it's not just solely about cricket it's about inequalities in general because women women are always told that they need to get a seat at the table but how can they get that seat at the table when you're not willing to be flexible or compromise so I must say just quickly on the name it's so catchy which one of you came up with it and what was sort of the inspiration behind it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean the big reveal so I eventually came up with it we had had we'd made built this campaign we'd done months and months of work 
and we had a website built that just had no name and we had graphics that had no name on them and we were going it has no name and we were actually um I recently moved back to Oxford so we were sat just eating ice cream and I stared into the distance and just blurted out stump out sexism and and there we have it <laughs> thus the name was found so um i actually think g and d's ice cream parlor in oxford <laughs> needs to take a little bit of credit for the name yeah that was yeah. a brainwave and a, a couple of good things about the name so uh stump out sexism obviously then can be shortened to sos so universal call for us to um end these different forms of sexism but also it's been good it's sort of of refreshing because you might assume that you sort of need a certain amount of cricket knowledge to understand the reason there are many of stump out sexism but I found that you know even if people don't like cricket they often just they hear it and they think that we're saying stomp out sexism and they get really excited and they get behind it anyway so yeah and also <laughs> the SOS gives you a great opportunity to use an ABBA song as you we do. Yeah, the <laughs> amount of times over the past few oh. days Something's gone slightly wrong, and one as long of us as it's not, about as long as it's not the cry. Piers Morgan version from the movie. Oh, yeah. No, no, we might, we might, uh, yeah, we might stretch. We've, we've had like Abba Gold on last night when in, in the verge of panic, you just need SOS on. I'm thinking of writing a parody, you know, let's use my skill set. I don't know cricket, I do know Abba. Like, let, let's go for that. So, on the topic of extending it, not just to Abba, but talking of extending from cricket to other sports because obviously you've got the varsity match and a very big one is the rugby and actually was it 2019 the first women's rugby varsity match was played at Twickenham is that something you look at and you take inspiration from you like yeah we have I mean we always thought that that was uh quite a logical sort of you know example to point to we've used that we've used rowing we've used um tennis for example the varsity tennis match um I think it was COVID interrupted I think it was last year where it was going to be the first year where the women would play on the main ground water polo they've done things like switch around the order so that sometimes the men do the um the curtain raiser for the women so i mean the most high profile examples of positive change to achieve greater equality here in oxford i think would be rugby and rowing but you've got some really positive examples as well from other sports and and we've pointed to a lot of them yeah surprisingly i guess when it's just been an internal issue um you know sometimes people are quick to point to differences for example cricket's a long game so they might say oh but with rugby the men didn't have to give up their match or you know that sort of argument but we think that these are still really amazing examples to point to I mean these are traditional sports that would have had a lot of the same objections popping up you know rugby they did still have to sacrifice one of there was another men's match I think an under 21 or something along those lines so they did have to adapt to the format rowing again they made they made some big changes with that so we think um yeah we, we would say that these are really positive examples they show that um traditions can be changed for the better that you don't need to tarnish or sort of diminish a tradition but you can adapt it times have changed you can build it into something which is a positive experience for everybody and that's sort of the way that we've tried to draw on these examples and I think even if you watch just as a like a general thing for building a movement really when you see it can be done it gives you hope and I think beyond the university level I look at the sports that I was brought up doing and I mean my background's athletics and I never felt different for being a girl there I never felt that when I turned up at a fixture, my my race was less important than the men's one that followed. Similarly, I, I was a gymnast, that did. The sports I dropped off were the ones where I sat there and went, well, I don't matter as much as the men, so what's the point in me sticking around? And if we can manage to get this even field across sports where there's not sports girls do and sports boys do, and it's just sport, 
and you get the recognition you deserve at whatever level and whatever game you choose to play. Think about the options that that opens up to people. Think about when you get to university level, the standards of the teens is going to be so much greater because when you've got an eight-year-old you know, deciding what they're going to pick up, they're going to go, actually, I'm going to do that because I saw it on that and I can go to this level rather than checking it away. You put something in at a high level and introduce it and say, look, here's a good example and you will build the game at all other levels. And this is why I've always been so confused by this argument about the women aren't good enough or there aren't enough women playing or whatever. Because regardless of the fact that the women are all very good, like the only way you get things to a certain standard is by pushing people to get involved. And you get this perpetuating cycle that we just see of people going, you're not good enough at this because I've not given you the resource to become as good as you can be. Therefore, I am not going to give you the resource. Therefore, you are not going to improve. So I'm go and it just goes round and round. And the fact that it seems so difficult to see simply by pumping the resource in and making it gender equal, you just boost the standard so much. It baffles me a little bit, to be honest, but, but clear, maybe I'm missing something. Feel free someone to tell me what I'm missing. It's very much one of those things you can't just listen to the argument, oh, because it's always been that way. If we all stuck mm -hmm. with, because it's always been that way, we would all still be, I don't know, milking cows by hand and uh, I can't think of any <laughs> getting the boat to the ashes instead of flying a plane you know it's just you can't just say that this is how it's always been because I think as, yeah, yeah and I think as well as we're talking about a sport where there have been significant changes I mean you know t20 cricket has become a big thing the 100 ball format was released or started not long ago even at the sort of Oxford Cambridge level um I think it was in 2001 they the four-day format used to happen at Lords and then they switched that to the one-day format. So yeah, the argument is often used that, you know, this is an almost 200-year tradition and, and we're going to sort of somehow take away from that. The fact is that there have actually been, even in this small context that we're looking at, there have actually been quite recent changes. It's not a 200-year tradition in the format that it is today and that doesn't mean that for the next 200 years we have to keep the exact same format. In cricket there are a variety of formats, there are so many other ways whether it's, I don't know, three 100 ball formats and you include another team, three T20s, again, you include another team, you open up the, the opportunity further, or you can have a 40 over format and a 20 over. You know, we can get quite excited about innovative with the format. And I think that would probably ap appeal to more people anyway. You can revamp the day and, and turn it into something new. So, yeah. Replace tradition with innovation. Oh, that's good. And just, it, it's just always a, a good idea, largely. Um, and I think just to, to say, because the, the clubs are separate to the universities as bodies, yeah. we see when I, I was working in the SU, the University of Oxford is a, an institution built on tradition and it has many, many issues, but it also has a lot of people that are moving it forward. And I would really, really like to see that those kind of level of things, that we can transfer that to all. If this university can change when it's probably the most traditional place you're going to find, I genuinely believe you can push anywhere to change. And that's another reason why I think the varsity fixture, because I must admit, I did have the qualm myself where I was like, should they be playing at Lords at all? Like either the men or the women, is this just Oxbridge elitism? But actually when you see it, this changing is evidence that you can change in any institution. And I think that is important to, to realise that the actions of Oxford and Cambridge and the MCC, rightly or wrongly, are noticed. And therefore, to set an example, 
if they raise the bar, other institutions will come and try and meet it. And I think that that for me is, is what's driven me with this particular first starting point we've got with Varsity. Get to these names to raise the bar. Everybody else follows. Set a trend and we can do it and we can make so much progress. It's better than our Bristol Rugby Varsity, which had to be moved from one place to another because there was a massive fight because we were all too close together. So a little bit different. I was going to say, maybe a little bit more, you know, who knows? So Ness, obviously you're from Australia. And last year we did see that landmark moment of the women's T20 final at the MCG, uh, yeah. which is like your Aussie equivalent of Lords. I'll give you that, I guess. But massive crowd there for the women. That's the kind of thing that we can almost look at and be like, why not? And therefore, do you find that there's a bit of a difference culturally from Australia to England? Yeah, actually. Um, yeah, this is a really great question. I think, um, I mean, I as I said, I'd, I'd had a little bit of a break playing cricket before I came here, but I did... I played from the age of seven, sort of all the way through my childhood, did some state level underage stuff. And then, yeah, lots, lots uh, played city and yeah, I played in various states and things. So I've had good exposure there and, and played a lot here as well. I think it has stood out to me, to, to be honest, and I didn't expect that there would be such significant, significant differences. I mean, the UK to Australia more general um, doesn't feel particularly different. I, I feel quite at home here. But yeah, I guess that created this situation where I thought that I'd come over here and there would be the same sort of pathways, the same sort of positive attitude towards women's cricket. And, you know, I guess I, I can't speak for how it is in, in other places or across the board in the UK, but I do think in terms of the pathways, the opportunities, even the funding, I was surprised to to hear that a lot of well they've restructured the county system but there were some really good cricket players who were playing county cricket who still weren't getting paid to play county cricket over here which surprised me I think as well probably there's more I think that there are more examples of people potentially falling through the cracks here who might have had an opportunity if they were in the Australian system I think uh, where there's more exposure I mean when I've been there visiting and at summertime in Australia you see the big bash women's cricket on TV all the time. There's so much more exposure. They're building on it year and year. So I guess I would just say, I think sort of across the different levels and the different age groups within Australia, I think that there are some really great pathways, good exposure for women's cricket. So you see a lot of, I don't know that, you know, the entire Australian women's team would be household names to everyone, but I think that the women, girls growing up in Australia, I would say, have decent exposure to good female cricketers, good pathways. There's still work to be done, but I think there are also some examples of of prestigious cricket grounds like the Sydney Cricket Ground SCG. They've hosted, you know, like regional level tournaments and things where young girls, teenagers who don't, you know, they're not professional cricketers. They haven't even made it all the way through the pathway yet. They're sort of on their way and they get to step out into onto the SCG and that's sort of, you know, not seen as, how would I put it? It's sort of the norm, I guess, that these sort of opportunities do exist. So yeah, I think there's still work to be done there, but we see a good amount of sort of year-on-year growth, whether it's looking at exposure on TV or, yeah, these sorts of opportunities on these prestigious grounds, good pathways through the system. Um, over here, yeah, I think that, you know, some changes are being made. They're restructuring the county system. Um, I think the 100 will give the, the women's game a really good platform. And that was spoken about in the recent, there was a, a women's a panel event uh, after the Women's Day at Lords, where they were talking about the 100 and the platform that that gives to women's cricket. I think that's exciting. But yeah, I think with this sort of stark example of, of inequality here, it speaks to some of the issues that still exist. And I mean, that's an example of, of what it can feel like to be you know, sort of at a level where you're not, you're not a professional cricketer, but you know, if you're a female who loves cricket and wants to have some, some good opportunities, you know, I think these sorts of stark examples of inequality that we've been seeing, I think they need to be addressed. So that these damaging narratives around the inferiority of women cricketers, if we can change them to really positive narratives, then I think that, yeah, there will be the right sort of platforms here. And yeah, just to say, I I think the positive steps are 
being taken. But some of these stark examples, I think, you know, you can dismiss it and say it's just like Oxbridge or it's just this one example. But that one example, if you let it stand, I think that can become really damaging to young people who might otherwise otherwise continue with the game, but they might not if, they, if, if this is what they see and, and that's what they see for Pathways. So. That's very much one of those you've got to get to it kind of things. And yeah. just yeah. throw more, you know, stereotypical sentences. You know, Challenge to Change was actually the theme this year for International Women's Day and Women's Month, which should be every day, as we all know. So, yeah, you've got to see it to be a challenge to change it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Alex, do you have anything else to add? In that uh, way? Just quickly, if for someone who's listening and they really like what you guys have said and they want to get involved with the campaign, how and where can they do that? So... If you are listening and want to do that, I salute you. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you just search Stump Out Sexism, you will find us. You will also find all our contact details and links to those sites on our website, which is stumpoutsexism.com. We are hosting um, an event this weekend with the men's varsity there so it would be good to see people there if they want to come along and show their support in a socially distanced manner but otherwise yeah just get in touch drop us an email send us a message on facebook tweet us we're very nice like yeah and we just love to have as many people involved as possible so whatever capacity you feel you can support us in whatever skill set you have whether you're a cricketer or not just jump on board, like get in touch and we we will find something for you to do to be involved yeah. with helping us out. I think, yeah, more than anything, you know, we're trying to find fun and um, and easy ways for people to get involved and, and to sort of speak up. So whether it's, we've been working on this today, getting some t-shirts organized or looking into bat stickers and stuff like that, you know, a simple retweet that can make a big difference. Uh, whether it's a, a letter that we put together, but people can sign, things like that where you know, people can go further. Of course, we're giving them a platform. But yeah, we sort of um, also appreciate the really small gestures. If everyone speaks up in that way, then yeah, I think we can achieve some positive change. And, and we're onto something here. I think, you know, we've had such a positive reaction. And yeah, we're trying to change things in some really, you know, in amongst some institutions where it's difficult. But as was said earlier, if we can achieve it here, then I think that sets a really exciting precedent. So yeah. And when you say anyone get involved, your call to arms is literally to anyone, isn't it? It's any gender, age, um, background, age. religion, yeah. sexual orientation. Seriously. Any capacity you can get involved because I think this has been the exciting thing to see and particularly looking through our followers on Twitter and who's getting involved and who's liking on Facebook. There are people from just such a range of backgrounds and that's brilliant because this means that, all right, yeah, it's primarily we're talking about cricket, but it can move into other spheres. It can move. And I just, yeah, anyone, literally anyone, your mum, your dad, your grandma, your dog, your cat, your rabbit, anyone, drop us a line, anywhere we can get involved. We will accept your support and help as uh, much as possible. And if our listeners wanted to follow your personal social media accounts, where can they find you on these social media platforms? So I am on Twitter as Roisin, spelled in a very funny way. So that's not an easy... Oh, no, I'm Roisin Rants, actually, now. So R-O-I-S-I-N and then Rants on Twitter. And usually you will find me ranting about issues of inequality and occasional photos of my dog. So that's the best way to probably get me. I don't know about you. Mine's, mine's a little bit less abstract. So mine's just my first and last name, Vanessa and Picker, P-I-C-K-E-R. Yeah, very happy to, to hear from people. Yeah. 
Fab. Thank you guys so much for sparing some time this evening to talk to us about the campaign. We here at Women's Cricket Chat really support what you guys are doing. We think it's a really worthwhile cause. And if there's any way that we can help with it, shout about it, just let us know and we'll be more than happy to put the word out on the group account and on our personal ones because it's such an important issue. And I think it goes further than cricket and sport. It's an everyday problem. And just to say thank you to you guys thank already, you so because the fact that you've been retweeting as we've posted, the fact that you've been commenting, the fact you've been engaging, um, engaging has really not gone un- in, uh, like, unnoticed. Even asking us to be here, we really do appreciate the support we're getting yeah, from you. Thank you. And we love what you are doing. And <laughs> you know what? You. Honestly, anything we can do to help, because yeah. we, as Women's Cricket Chat, we're obviously women, but for us it it goes far beyond that it goes about having equal rights for men and women equal pay making sure women have a seat at the table which is why i think this campaign is so good and also the name is just epic it's just fantastic we should have a seat at the table we shouldn't be in the kitchen exactly unless you want to cook then you know go do your thing i I want to be in the kitchen and at the table thank you 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 do you you yeah, do exactly. you but yeah we love what you're doing it's fantastic <laughs> and we're all going to shout about it we've got enough loud voices between us yeah, you know <laughs> cool well thank you so much for chatting to us it's been absolutely fantastic yeah, and uh, speak to you soon thank you oh yeah brilliant all right <laughs> um, bye. Thanks. bye massive thank you to Roisin and Vanessa for coming on the podcast and talking to us about some part of sexism and about the fact that there is still a massive issue in 2021 and that women who play cricket aren't always afforded the same rights as the men and we at Women's Cricket Chat are really behind this campaign and if you do want to get involved in the campaign, Roisin and Vanessa have spoken about where you can find all their details and there's also a GoFundMe link on Twitter if you do wish to get involved in that. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at HannahT1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Thank you.